And it's amazing, um, to me anyways, as, as I've been going through this, how much John talks about love. And it must be important. And sometimes I think in conservative biblical circles, we um, try to downplay love for legalism. We downplay love for uh, rules and regulations and, and structure and those different things. But John is really teaching us, as the Lord taught us, that love is central to all things. So love isn't some mansy-pansy type of a thing that we accept everything and everything's good and flowerful and, and uh, okay in the world. It's not that. Love is a motivation that happens deep within. So we've talked about the different types of love. we talked about uh, physical love. we talked about a family type of a love and a brotherly type of love. And this is an agape type of love. This is a love that you cannot have unless you have a personal relationship with God. And when you have this personal relationship with God, you find that your interior um, motives change of why you do things. So Jesus would tell us to speak the truth, right? We speak the truth. Some people like that as a license or liberty to say whatever they want, saying, well, it's true, isn't it? But Jesus went one step further. He says, speak the truth in love. So we don't do it to prove ourselves right, to prove somebody else wrong. We do it because we want the truth to come out. We may want that person to grow closer to the Lord or take a look at something. So many times we talk about accountability. The root of accountability is love. We want to encourage one another to grow closer in the Word. We discipline our children not because we're bigger and stronger and want to be mean to them. That's unhealthy, right? We discipline our children because we love them and we want what's best for them and we want them to grow up in the shadow of the Lord's word, to have that relationship. We want them to do what is right and so we discipline in love. We set boundaries in love. But love can also go beyond that. It can be, you know, just the, the caring and the compassion and the showing of love as God does. And this is what he's going to talk about today. And we're going to go through uh, verses 7 through 11 today. And this is really, John is re-emphasizing again. And if you've been reading through First uh, John, First John is a short book. You know, we could have preached through this maybe in one or two weeks, but he's got a lot of things to say in there. And so as we've broken it down, we keep hearing about this love. And here he's talking about knowing God through love. And this is sort of a reflection off of his gospel of John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So for God so loved the world, he gave. And so John is sort of emphasizing on that today in this epistle. And it says, Beloved, let us, not love, uh, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifested towards us, that he has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this the love of uh, in this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And so we see this, this word love that comes out in the love that he's talking about here is an agape love. So when he's talking about loving somebody, he's talking about loving one another with the love 
of God. We have a burden for people. We care about people because they're made in the image of God. And beloved, it says, let us love. The, the ancient Greek sentence in this I just found interesting is, is agapatoi, agapomen, which means those who are loved, let us love. And that's the, the, the phrase is how it was worded in the Greek. Those that are loved, let us love. And so we understand that we love not because of who we are or of what we can generate up inside. Sometimes we think, man, i got to really try to love this person. If God has given us this love inside of us, it should be there. We should have this compassion and this, this burden and this care for one another, especially the brethren in the church. And so he says when we have this love in us, then we also live in light of it. We let the life of Christ live through us or our life is living through him. So if we love God and those who claim to be born of God, he tells us this thing that, that we must be able to love one another in the body of Christ. And so many times when the world looks at at bodies, what do they see? So a lot of times they see hypocrisy. A lot of times they see division. A lot of times they see end fighting. And the world would say, why do I want to be a part of that? I have that right here. I have that at work. I have that in my community. I have that in my own family. And so God calls us to a higher calling. He calls us to this unity. He calls us to this love. But just like a regular family and love, we need those things that I had mentioned earlier. There is discipline, there is correction, there is accountability, there is, you know, facing these things in, in our lives as a body of believers and as a family of believers that aren't always right. So Christians are not just forgiven. We experience God's love. A lot of times they say, you know, it's all about us being forgiven, and we are forgiven. If we come to Christ, we are forgiven. We have this uh, forgiveness that God gives us, but it's more than that. It's about this love that God has given us. And though love may not be perfected in our life, and we don't always get it right, so, so I'm, I'm not projecting that you know, we need to be perfect in our love, because we're not. We're still uh, frail individuals. We're still sinful people, though we have Christ in us. And we struggle sometimes with emotions and feelings and different things like that. But it must be present in our life. And it should be growing in a healthy Christian's life. Our love should continue to grow for not just the brethren, but for the lost. You have a burden for your neighbors that don't know Christ. You have a burden for those that are struggling and, and going through, through things in their life. Do you care about one another? It says, esteem others greater than yourselves. Do we do that? Do we have that mindset? Do we have that attitude? Because love being an action is also an attitude in our life. So you can't really really grow in the experience of God and, and in a relationship with God if you're not experiencing that love for the brethren. John, I mean, he boldly says, he who does not love does not know God. That's a pretty strong statement for John to say. And so he gives us through 1 John, he's giving us these, these tests to say, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourself to see if your walk is where it needs to be. And so he's not saying that lightly. He's not saying that because he thinks he's got it all figured out. But he's saying it because it is the truth. He who does not love does not know God. He who does not have this agape love does not know God. 
Now, do you have that agape love in your life? Do you, do you experience that in your life? Do you have a love for others that maybe don't deserve it or, or are difficult to love? Because God tells us those are the people that we need to have. It's a concept of a self-giving love. We give of ourselves, and we don't expect anything in return. We don't demand any results for that, but we love. We love unconditionally, and that's what it is. When we come to Christ, we have this picture of him loving us. Why we were sinners. I always go back, I'm sort of a visual person, at least in my mind, and, and I always go back to a, a picture in my mind of Jesus hanging on the cross. And as he's hanging on that cross, he's looking down amongst people that have put him there, that have beat him, that have, have scourged him, that are gambling for his clothes, that have betrayed him. He's looking at all these people. He's not just looking at the ones that are going to accept him or love him or that are crying. He's looking at those that are jeering at him. And he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That forgiveness that comes is the root of agape. It's, a, it's the root of God's love. And so he's able to say that knowing that some of these people are never going to repent, are never going to accept him for as he is. See, many times in our lives, we put conditions on our love. We put conditions on our relationships. And we say, well, I'll do this if you do that. Or, or I'll continue to do this as long as you do that. I need to see something in return. That's the flesh that works. But this agape love is something different. It's a love that God gives us. And it says, regardless of how that person responds, regardless of what that person does, it's not that what they're doing is okay but I'm going to have a love for them. And we're going to read about that, why we should do that. And we need to really look at this because every relationship, I, I like to think of as a triangle. I saw a, a diagram or a pastor that had done this a long time ago. And, and so at the very base of the triangle is, is you and a person that you're having a relationship with. And at the top of the triangle is God. And as you grow towards God, you become closer with one another. So that works in marriages. As, as both the husband and the wife grow closer to God, they're growing closer to each other. It works that way in friendships. It works that way in families. It works that way in community. As we grow together towards God, we become closer. And so that's what God has desired for us. Do you have that in your life? Are you desiring to grow to be closer to God? See, you can't grow closer to God for somebody else. You can only grow closer to God yourself. And as you spend time in the Word, as you spend time in prayer, as you spend time in Christian fellowship, you're going to be growing closer to God. And so if, if you're doing it and maybe your friend isn't, you may not always be growing closer together, but you still have that love for that person. And so God calls us to do that. Weak relationships are made strong when people put their dependence upon God. That's why I'm such a believer that the word of God has the answer for every problem we face, everything that we go through, every answer that we look for. There's a principle in the word of God that will answer that. God has given that to us, that, that we can pull from that. It's a deep, rich resource that he has given us. You know, Marshall says this, it is because men are created in the image of God, an image that has been defaced but not destroyed by the fall, that they can still have the capacity to love. See, we are created in the image of God. 
And it is because of that that we have that capacity. Because God has placed that love in us that we can love one another. Spurgeon, he's one of my favorite authors, he says this, Let it never be thought that any sinner is beyond the reach of divine mercy, so long as he is in the land of the living. Okay, so he says, anybody that's still breathing, God can reach, God can change. Sometimes we look at people and say, oh, that person's never going to change. That person's never going to come to the Lord. Man, they are far from it. And we may give up hope. We may even give up a desire of even trying to bring them to Christ. But he says, never let them do this as long as they are in the land of the living. I stand here to preach unlimitable love, unbounded grace to the vilest of the vile, to those who have nothing in them that can deserve consideration from God. Men who ought to be swept into the bottomless pit at once if justed meted out them their desserts. So Spurgeon's really saying, he says, I want to love and I want to present this unlimited love, this unlimited grace to the people who don't deserve it. And that if judgment was to come now, it would be in the pits of hell. Do we approach people that way? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Do we have the mind of Christ? Are we walking in the presence of the Holy Spirit? Verses 9 through 11. And this is how the love of God was manifested toward us, that God had sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Love is not only defined by the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. That's a great thing, and as evangelicals, we look at that as believers. Our our minds go there a lot of times of, of Jesus going to the cross. He who was without sin became sin for us. He bore the judgment of of our sins upon himself, that we wouldn't have to do that. But there is another sacrifice that was given. And so in the Trinity, we have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it was the Father who gave us the Son. He gave us the Son, and they're all one, so this is a great mystery, so I'm not trying to part out God. But in the role of God the Son, he gave us the Son. You know, he could have sent us an angel, he could have done a lot of different things, he could have just spoke down through heaven, but he gave us his son. He didn't give us his son just to set an example for us. He didn't give us the son just so Jesus could have come down here and and just taught us about God, and all those things would have been wonderful and well beyond what we deserve. But he gave us his son, knowing that he was going to go to the cross. Knowing that he was going to pay the price for our sin and our iniquities. That's the great love that God has. That's the agape love that God has placed in us. God's love is not only just saving us from the judgment that we so deserve, but he also says, but living through him, verse 9, that we might live through him. Is that a goal in your life? Is that a thought in your mind? Not just to live my own life, not just to live the agenda that I want, not just to do the things that that I have planned in this life, but to live my life through him. And so as we talk about being grafted and, and knit together, it's not only us living through him, it's him living through us. I always like to look at us as, as a piece of conduit where, where Christ lives in us and through us. And as people look at us, they don't just see me. They don't see my good works. They don't see the efforts that I'm making or the accomplishments that I made, but that they can get a glimpse of Jesus. Because, you know, when I die... There'll be a generation or two of of probably my family that might remember me. 
there might be some uh, written record somewhere of, of, of uh, you know, let your landowner this, that will be with you. But people are really going to forget about us after a generation or two. That's why people erect big monuments about themselves, these memorials and all these things that, that we may not be forgotten. We don't want to be forgotten. But I'm here to tell you in the spiritual sense, I want to be forgotten. I want people to remember Jesus. Because if they forget me and they remember Jesus, they have eternal life. They have the opportunity at least to have eternal life. So on the cross, Jesus took the punishment for the sin that we deserve. That was the great love that he has given us. His sacrifice turned away the judgment that we had coming in our life. That's a wonderful thing just to think about. Spurgeon also said this, if there was to be reconciliation between God and man. So when we think about reconciliation, I want us to put this on, on our earthly level too. How do we think about reconciling with one another? But Spurgeon says this, if there's to be reconciliation between God and man, man ought to have sent to God. It says the offender ought to be the first to apply for forgiveness. So he's saying that, you know, God reached down to us, undeserving. We didn't even want it. He reached down to us. But it says we really, in, in the human sense, should have been the one that reached out, right? When we're offended, what do we think? When that person comes to me, when they ask for my help, when they want forgiveness, they can come to me. But it says, man ought to send for God. The offender ought to be the first to apply for forgiveness. The weaker should apply to the greater for help. The poor man should ask of him who distributes alms. But here in his love that God sent. That's an important thing to think about. That God sent. He initiated everything with this depraved, fallen world. He initiated everything within our life. He loved us and sent his son to be, it says, the propitiation of our sins, the, the, the payment, the, the atonement for our sins. And you think of that sacrifice that that was for God. You think of that sacrifice of, of giving up your child knowing what they are going to go through, what he was going to go through. He was placing Jesus, God the Son, in an earth that wasn't going to accept him, in an earth that was going to ridicule him and betray him and eventually kill him. Boyce says this, If God had merely sent Jesus to teach us about himself, that would have been a wonderful enough. It would have been far more than we deserved. If God had sent Jesus to simply be our example, that would have been good too and would have been of great value. But the wonderful thing is that God did not stop with those, but rather sent his son, not merely to teach or to be our example, but to die the death of a felon, that he might save us from sin. I want you to think about that. We know that the Bible says we are all sinful. We all fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, not one. Can you imagine if, if God was to come today and say, you are found guilty in your sin? And I'm going to take Gene, and he's going to die in your place. How would that make me feel? That's exactly what Jesus did, though. Jesus says he came and paid that sin for me. He came and took my place. His love for us initiated the love that we can have with him. Listen, you're not going to come to Christ on your own accord. You're not going to come to Christ you know, and say, well, I've decided to love you today, Jesus. That doesn't happen. 
It's because of his love for us that our relationship is initiated with him. It's that God has first loved us. And this is love, verse 10 says, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. We wouldn't even know that love if he hadn't placed it in us, if he hadn't given it to us, if he hadn't shown it to us. We can only respond to the love that he has given and shown to us. We can't love God the way that we should unless we are receiving and living in his love. You may try to love God on your own accord. You might have a a brotherly love for him. And there's a, a part where, you know, Jesus asks three times, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? That's a whole sermon within itself. I love you like a brother, Lord. Some of you may just love Jesus as a brother. Maybe you love him as a family member. But do you love him unconditionally? Do you love him with that agape love? That that love that, that he has given us. That we can only experience through a relationship with him. I want you to think about this. Because we're a church that practices feet washing. Or we have feet washing services here. And there are scriptures that talk about Jesus in the feet washing service. And as we look at that, when Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, and he, and he showed that great love of servanthood, and that's why he did it, to show really the example of, of being a servant. And as he did that, he might have expected to conclude that by, when he was all done washing their feet, sort of like pointing at his feet maybe and saying, well now, who's going to wash my feet? See, a reciprocal love. I've done something for you. Are you going to do something for me? But Jesus didn't answer that way, did he? He says this in John 13, 14. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. See, Jesus wasn't looking for reciprocal to him. He says, I have showed you. You have experienced my love. You have experienced my service, my servanthood towards you. Now you go out and love one another. You go out and be a servant to one another. The proper way to love God in response for the love that he showed us, John is telling us and God has told us, is to love one another. To have that care and that compassion for one another. And this love, this agape love, if it's truly in you by your relationship with God, and that's all John is telling us through these, these epistles is this, examine yourself, grow, Make sure, it's sort of like a a checklist in our life to make sure that we're staying on the right track if you are on the right track and if you're not there to get there. But love of God, the agape love, is going to lead to a practical action in our life because love is an action. Agape love is an action. God sent, we see an action that is being done. God showed his love to us. We could see it, we could experience. It's not just that feeling. And so, in this practical action, we might say, has anybody offended you? We seek reconciliation, right? Has anybody offended you? Seek uh, reconciliation. Oh, but I'm the offended party. Shouldn't they be coming to me? Listen, so was God. God was the offended party by our sin against him. If you're harboring sin in your life, if you're walking in a path that is unbiblical, You are offending God. He went straight away and sought reconciliation. He sent his son 
towards us, even though our lives were an offense to him. So I ask you to do the same. But I've been insulted. Well, guess what? God was insulted too. I mean, God came down and walked amongst us. And the world treated him as dirt. And all the wrong that was done towards him, towards Jesus. And yet he sent his son. Maybe we think that that party is unworthy. They don't deserve forgiveness for what they've done. So are you. There's nothing that we did to deserve salvation. There's no merits of righteousness in my life that deserve the gift of eternal life that only comes through Jesus Christ our Lord. But he reached down. And he offered that to me. If we don't love one another, how can we say that we have the love of God in us? How can we say that a relationship is right with Christ? If we don't have this love that, that God went to the cross for us for, how can we carry the name of Christian, Christ follower, in our life? Love is proof, really, in our life that we are taught to look for. They will know we are Christians by our love. We sing that song sometimes, but it's a principle that's in the Bible. They know that we are Christians by the way that we treat one another, the way that we uh, act towards one another, our attitude towards one another, our ability to reach out and, and help those that may be undeserved, that may be difficult, that may be even unwilling to accept what we have. But they will know that we are Christians by the love that we show one another. I just want to close with this analogy as we look at our life. In your house, if you had a pipe that was clogged, and you kept putting water to it, and, and nothing ever came out the other side, what would you do? It'd be useless, wouldn't it? You'd replace that pipe, right? Well, God tells us in his word, he puts his love, this agape love, into our lives that it might flow out to others. So he has come to cleanse us, to keep us clear, to, to clean us of our sin. That's why John tells us he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins when we repent of those things. Because it's sin and it's selfishness and it's greed and it's bitter and it's all these things that we harbor, anger and all these things that, that we sort of bottle up in our, in our life that restricts that flow of the Spirit in our life, that restricts that flow of agape love. And it affects our attitude. It affects our disposition. It affects our relationships. Not only with one another, but also with God. And so God is like this great roto-rooter who comes in and he, he wants to clean us. And he wants us to flow like the rivers of living water that he has created us to be. Are you living through Christ? Is he living through you? Amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray.